Mom on Pop listeners. This is your senior editor of the AV Club. It's John Tatey here with another edition, a tweener episode of Mom on Pop. And that uh, giggling woman you hear on the other end of the line is Bonnie Tatey, who reviews pop culture of all sorts on our show. Hi, Mom. Hi, Johnny. Boy, it feels like we just got finished recording one of these. And now... (laughs) And now it's time for another one. Uh, so on our tweener episodes, what we're going to do is Mom and I are going to talk about some retro pop culture, uh, some throwback fare. Today we're going to be talking about the classic game show To Tell the Truth. And we're also going to play Was Abby Right, where Mom and I look over some recent Dear Abby advice column letters and answers. And we uh, see if we think Abby was, uh, if she missed the mark or not. I guess I'll put it that way. Okay. Uh, But uh, first, Mom, let's talk about uh, To Tell the Truth. Now, you uh, did you watch To Tell the Truth started in the 50s, went through the 60s, and there was another version on in the 70s. And I think it's been on actually every decade um, except this one. Oh, is that right? Yeah, since the 50s, so in one form or another. But I've been watching the uh, original 50s edition with... um, on on Buzzer, the game show network we've talked about on the show previously, right. and uh, you know, you and I used to watch these on Game Show Network, and uh, I think you used to watch the show when it was uh, on originally. Is that right? Right, right. Uh, so tell the folks what the premise of To Tell the Truth is. Well, this is a game show with a panel of, I guess they were celebrities, or you know, maybe they were just great dinner party people, right? But celebrities of some ilk. Uh, as a panel, and three people would come out on the stage, and Bud Collier would read a, a little affidavit about what the person did or does, um, whatever interesting facts there were about them. Right. And then says, "What does he say?" He ends it when after the after all of the questioning, the panelists question the uh, the imposters and the true person. There's two imposters and one actual person who's a ship captain or a pie eating champion or whatever it is, some interesting right. uh, feat or line of work. And then at the end, that- Bud Collier will say, "Will the real John Smith please stand up?" And, and the uh, suspense is horrible. It's great. It's a great moment because, you know, <laughs> the imposters will shuffle their chairs a little bit and you'll think number one's going to get up and then it's number three. Yeah, yeah. The basis is that the celebrities are have a certain amount of time to ask whatever questions they want to try to discern which one is the the real ship captain or whatever. Uh, and then they vote. Right. And the actual person must tell the truth. Right. Um, and the two imposters, of course, have to uh, lie their way through it. So it's right. really, and they were, you know, they were prepped by the producer, um, and quite beautifully. It's really a game that pits the producers of the show against the panel because the producers have to prep the imposters. They have to find the imposters in the first place. They have to find right. someone who would look like uh, one I just watched was uh, the posture queen, someone who was. Uh, <laughs> who won some sort of pageant at a uh, chiropractic convention, and she was named America's Posture Queen for her perfect spinal alignment. Um, So they have to find two people who could pass as this, who would fool the panel, and then they have to prepare the imposters by, you know, giving them 
facts and teaching them how to lie. And they also prepare the real person by saying, you know, that person will maybe hesitate a little before giving their true answer or look like they're thinking. Um, So it's a real, it really screws with the minds of the panel. It's a fun game to watch. Right. It it is very, very entertaining. It really is. Um, And many times this, you know, as a kid, I always thought this was a weird thing to say, but many times the panelist will say, um, he or she just gave too much information. Yep. Which yes. was also a, a, a sort of a tell. So. <laughs> that's, that's right. When they were explaining, they'd have to explain their votes very briefly. And yeah, they'll often say a person, uh, it seemed like they were rattling off their uh, memorized information too, too readily. But you know, sometimes the real, it's, it's so hard to call. <laughs> the game is really beautifully constructed and it's super fun to play along with. And that's what I was just going to say. It's fun to, to play at home with, you know, if somebody's in the room with you or not. It's just fun to play with, with the panel. I do, I do, I did not really like Bud Collier. I found him a bit stringent. <laughs> yeah. How so? I just, he always made me nervous. You know, he was always. Uh, he, I, I think he really did not have the talent. I'm sure he was the consummate host at that time, but you know, if if time was getting to be a, a problem, he was he was very abrupt. Yeah, he. <laughs> that's that's right. I love it. He could be very severe. I mean, he's just if you look at him, he's just what the ultimate white bread game show host. He's what you'd picture if you think of a 1950s game show host. He's got the hair and um, that's so slick, you know, so shiny. He's got the perma grin. Um, But I'll tell you what, as I've been watching some of these episodes recently, you know, I always, Bud Collier, I never really ranked very highly in my personal pantheon of game show hosts, but I have to say, he gets off a good line every once in a while. Well, you know, I'm glad, I'm glad to hear you say that because I always... Um, I always felt bad that I didn't like him, you know? Well, he was also the host of uh, Beat the Clock, the first uh, Beat the Clock oh on TV. Oh, my God. Now, there's a show that you really can't watch unless you're drunk or very yeah. highly sedated. Well, because Bud would just... Bud was very intense on that show, and uh, they would have... <laughs> what was the big moment of the show for him? Do you know what I'm going to talk about? The big moment to me was when he was yelling, hurry, hurry, <laughs> when you're trying to stick a balloon in your wet shirt and, and get undressed at the same time. And, oh, my God, he just he made me a wreck. I just loved when uh, the uh, there would be a special bonus during uh, Beat the Clock uh, in each episode, you know, an escalating jackpot to do this particularly hard stunt. Um, and if you don't know Beat the Clock, it's like a minute to win it. Uh, if people know that show where you you have to do some silly stunt in a limited amount of time and uh, when the bell would ring he would he would just shout the bonus and it would god it's you know (laughs) 60 years later watching it it still sends a start up me because he's so intense he Um, was Superman too you know on the radio was it on the radio? On the radio, he was Superman, yeah. Oh, that's good, because I really don't see him as Superman. <laughs> he, do- he doesn't really look like a Superman on, on TV, no. Um, no. And some of the, some panelists uh, on To Tell the Truth, uh, Tom Poston 
which I think modern viewers would really only know from Newhart, which isn't even that modern. But no, um, no. Tom Poston is a wonderful, funny, witty panelist. Um, and of course, Kitty Carlisle. Kitty Carlisle is one of the people you were talking about who wasn't really a celebrity, but just more of a socialite. What do you, what do you remember about her? Uh, I just thought she was an old study dead. That's oh, what I... Oh, really? Um, she reminds me of uh, Margaret Dumont from the uh, Marx Brothers movies. Marx and Brothers, she's, yeah. I, yeah. I feel a little bad saying that because she's hipper than that. She has a sense of humor and she does. she's very sweet. Um, but she could also be, yes, very stiff and uptight. And, and the episodes I've been watching recently, she sits next to Johnny Carson, who was a panelist on a number of episodes. And uh, oh. I think they put the two of them together for a reason because he's, you know, always cracking wise and right. uh, being somewhat silly about the game and she took it very seriously. Yes, she did take it very seriously. I think, you know, she's from that era where people people talk like this and <laughs> yeah. say they're odds and, you know, she's just historic to me and always was. You know, I always think, what do these people sound like when they're throwing up uh, into their toilet? Do they really say, uh, oh, please get me a washcloth and... <laughs> You know, I just, it just always amazed me. How do they remember to talk like that all the time? You know, I never pictured Kitty Carlisle throwing up into the toilet, and that was really my mistake, my oversight. <laughs> you have no imagination. No, I guess not. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and also, I just want to give a quick mention to Peggy Cass, who might be my favorite oh. member of these panel shows ever. She my is, favorite. My favorite. She, has that New York accent and she's just fearless and she has so much energy. I don't know. Talk about Peggy Cass a little bit. Oh, Peggy Cass was uh, just, you know, she was, she would be the life of the party. She, you, you wouldn't Absolutely. have a party without her because she would be laughing and um, getting the crowd going. I think she was, uh, uh, and I don't know anything about what she was what was she was an actress i guess well yeah she was an actress because i know she had a show that i used to watch where she owned three monkeys or something and um and really? i used to love to watch that uh, uh the I hathaways big, is this the hathaways the hathaways yes okay yes and they were always getting into some big trouble i think she was a favorite of jack parr who also was an occasional panelist on these shows, uh, along with, of course, being the Tonight Show host. But uh, Oh, is that right? Yeah, yeah. Um, he, in fact, he's shown up on some, uh, I think he was on a What's, Line, What's My Line episode I was watching recently. Gosh, that doesn't seem like something he would... Uh... He wasn't a great fit for it, I have to say. He he was not a great panelist, but Peggy Cass was the best. And uh, my one of my favorite Peggy Cass moments I saw recently on a To Tell the Truth episode that aired on. By the way, I'm watching these on Buzzer, which is a game show network that may be in your area. Go to buzzrplay.com. That's buzzer without the e. Play.com and see if it's uh, in your area to, if you can pick it up. But um, Peggy Cass, uh, she it was bird watchers like a, a champion bird watcher something like that and she said i voted for number two because his hands are sunburned and i think that if you were holding uh, the binoculars all the time that of course your hands would uh wow would get tan and that was that was the guy and i just that just speaks to her cleverness uh so much fun to watch wow 
And she could be a little outrageous. Yes, she could. Yeah. Oh, I just love all these dead people. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's kind of what I love. You know, uh, I remember when Game Show Network first came on, Dad wouldn't watch it, right? He wouldn't watch, right. especially the older ones, because he felt it was sad that all of them were dead. Yeah. But I like the fact that they're... Uh, they feel alive to me because it's not scripted um, and it's they're acting they're acting spontaneously and to me they live on in these in these reruns and I find that very sweet and and moving and I think that's the way to look at it yeah I think that's the way to look at it and I and I also can't imagine what a thrill when I watch these shows it must be for families whose Parents, grandparents, great grandparents were the contestants. I would think so. What an what an incredible artifact that is to have. And can you imagine just stumbling upon that some night? It must happen sometimes, right? It has to. You know, you should look for. My uncle was on. Uh, I think what's my line? One time, he invented a water compartment that you could take camping. You'll see it sometime. Oh, okay. Now let's move on and play Was Abby Right, where we pass judgment on the opinions of Abigail Van Buren, nationwide syndicated advice columnist. Uh, Now, I always liked reading Dear Abby uh, with my cereal in the morning when I was a a kid. Um, And if you're wondering if I was a dorky kid, uh, yeah, I I kind of was. Uh, I was the kind of kid who would read Dear Abby with my cereal. Oh, come on. I don't think that's fair. I think it's a little dorky, don't you think? No, I always thought you were reading the comics, so... Well, I would read the comics first, but then I'd get into Dear Abby, because it's kind of salacious for a 10-year-old sometimes, you know? I wish. It's been so boring lately. Advice for the lovelorn is how it uh, used to be billed. Right. Isn't that that right? Um, Yeah. So uh, this this is Dear Abby's daughter now who who does it. What is her... Jean Phillips, I think, is her uh, actual name. If we can pull back the curtain on Dear Abby... Uh, but uh, I, I have never found the daughter to be as good as the original Abigail Van Buren. Well, I think she's more outspoken. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I think she's willing to give her opinion. And you think that the old Abby was too conservative? Maybe more, more thoughtful about it. More Right. Played it a little closer to the vest, maybe. That's right. Okay, so we're going to start with a couple of letters from the July 12th Dear Abby column. So this was uh, a couple of weeks ago. This is uh, Good News Travels Too Fast for First Time Mom. Dear Abby, last spring, my husband and I found out we're pregnant with our first child. We were thrilled, of course, but out of caution, we decided not to tell anyone outside our immediate families for a few weeks. I am a teacher at a large school, and I decided to confide in my teaching assistant so she would understand if I seemed tired or I wasn't feeling well. She was excited. Within five minutes of my telling her, she had literally shouted the news to several other staff members. I asked her to please stop, and in particular not to tell the students. The next day, there was a large banner hanging over my classroom door that read, Bun in the Oven. I was mortified and furious. Boy, I would be too. She thinks miscarriages won't happen if you think positive, and that I'm just being negative. She is otherwise an excellent assistant. How do I deal with her refusal to remain quiet? Signed, assisted by a blabbermouth. 
And here's what Abby says. Dear Assisted, now that you know you cannot share anything in confidence with your TA, make a mental note not to make that mistake again. There's a saying, once two people know a secret, it is no longer a secret. Good, great saying, Abby. It's true, I suppose. <laughs> Unless those two people are sharing a secret, which seems possible, but I'll move on. All she had to do was tell one other person and the cat was out of the bag. Because she's an excellent teaching assistant, deal with her by telling her only what you would want broadcast over the public address system. Okay, so was Abby right here? Well, I mean, she was right in a sense, but didn't the woman yeah. say to her, I'd rather not share this with anyone? There's no mention of that. Yeah, there's a, I, okay, you're taking the same angle on this as I was going to. I think she's right too, but I also think that assisted by a blabbermouth uh, didn't handle this very well herself. Yeah. I guess Abby gets at that, but first of all, you don't tell anyone outside your immediate family for months. Uh, Right. Right. You wait until the first trimester is over is the traditional length of time to wait because. Right of what assisted by a blabbermouth mentions, there's a chance of a miscarriage. Right. I think she really wanted to tell someone, I don't know if I buy this. Uh, I wanted my teaching assistant to understand if I seemed tired. Do you buy that? I don't buy that. I don't buy that because you're just tired. Then you just say, I'm tired. I I agree with you. I think she wanted to tell. And uh, how would you handle this if you got into the situation? Me? I would have said, what the hell do you think you're doing? You big right? blabbermouth. <laughs> well, I would have. I would have just said, hey, I don't really appreciate that. And it's not your thing to tell. It was mine. I wonder if she did say, don't tell anyone, though. Well, I wonder that, too. I mean, I think that's an important piece. And who cares if she's a good teaching assistant or not? Who cares? That's not the point. But again, if you're mature... You know, it isn't your news to tell anyway. That's right. That's right. But I still think it makes a big difference whether the teacher said, don't tell anyone. And if she didn't, then she's an idiot. Because <laughs> well, I told I, I told a couple of very close friends, uh, you know, Anna's pregnant right now, and I told a very close, a couple of very close friends about it uh, fairly early on. But I said, I'm telling you this in the strictest confidence, and they just understood that anyway. But I still said right. it. Um, because it's because it's you that need important. to say that. Yeah, exactly. You would be remiss if you didn't. All right, I'll be interested to hear about what you think of this next letter, uh, which was in today's paper as we're recording this, actually. So I don't know if you've seen this one yet. Did you read it this morning? Yep. Okay. This is Dating Behind Parents' Back Won't Prove Teens' Maturity. And it begins. Dear Abby, my boyfriend Aiden and I have been dating for three months. I want to tell my parents, but I don't know how. They say I'm too young and immature to date. I'll be 16 in five months. They say Aiden is obsessed with me, and they don't want me staying in an unhealthy relationship. My parents think I'm not talking to Aiden, but I really am. I want to show them I'm mature enough for a relationship. All they keep saying is I need to be realistic and respectful. I'm more respectful than half the people I know. I don't want to keep this from my parents anymore. What should I do? Signed, Teen Girl in Illinois. And Abby responds saying, When parents say a teen is too young to date, they aren't talking about the number of candles on her birthday cake. If your parents are worried that Aiden is obsessed, they must have a reason. Sneaking around isn't a way to gain anyone's confidence. Teens show they are mature and responsible enough to handle the privilege of dating by being open, 
honest, communicating their feelings, listening respectfully to the opinions of others, and shouldering responsibility. Boy, that's quite a list, Abby. Uh, She concludes by saying, if you start now, you may be able to convince your parents that you're ready. I'm not sure even I hit all the uh, items on uh, Abby's list every day in my marriage, but... I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna just say no. You probably didn't. That's that's a lot for a teen girl to take on. Um, okay, so uh, w- I think Abby was pretty clearly right here, but there's a lot to unpack in this letter. I, do you think Abby was right? I I don't. I mean, I I think it was uh, a lovely sentiment, but I think first of all, anybody that's sneaking around is not feeling very good about themselves. And their yeah. situation, and I would have started with that. In that, I you know, I think you probably know better um, that what you're doing isn't right, and this exact reason is the reason that your parents don't want you to date. Doesn't the sneaking around? Couldn't it add an air of adventure to it for this girl, though? Maybe yeah, not, because she sure. wants to stop sneaking around. But I think maybe for a while it has that thrill of the illicit relationship. Yeah, I would, I would buy that. I would buy that. But you know, the thing is, she's not thinking about being respectful, or you know, that's that's just not what kids think about. They're thinking about, oh my God, I have a boyfriend. Yeah. Exactly. And she's thrilled with it. Now, I think the most fascinating detail that uh, uh, Abby picked up on is that the parents say that Aiden is obsessed with this girl. And how do they know that? Well, what do you think? What do you think that means in practical you, terms? I, I, I would say that he's pay, he paid too much attention to her, you know, or bought her little gifts or something mm-hmm. like that. Or, But, you know, I'm not sure either because these parents... You know, when somebody's 15, don't kids go out, like, on group dates or, I don't, I mean, people don't have cars then. Is, isn't it just, hey, your mother will drive us to the movies? and Maybe Aiden has a car. That's the only thing I could think of. Because, yeah, when you're 15, yeah, I don't know what dating is when you're 15, aside from going steady at school, but I don't know what's right. that. Right, yeah. right. But I have to say, if Aiden has a car, then he is... He's nothing I'd want to have dating my daughter at 15. Yeah, yeah, he's trouble. He's nothing hey, I, but trouble. I had a car when I was 16. Well, you had and, access to a car. Yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, uh, I don't think you had access to a girl. Uh, <laughs> I thought that was pretty unfortunate at the time as well, yeah. But, you know, things happen for a reason. Thanks, Mom. Yeah. Okay. That's what I kept telling myself during my sexless high school career. Oh, <laughs> there's a there's going to be a great life justification for this someday. Yeah. And really, you know, if we're going to be completely honest, sexless? Yeah. There was sex going on. It was just with yourself. <laughs> That's right, Mom. Thank you for clarifying that for the listeners. <laughs> I'm assuming. <laughs> well, I don't think well, you, you can are. Well, you take that part out, Johnny. I'm sorry. No, it's fine. It's fine. Um, you know, one. I think I don't think Mom is assuming. One time she uh, she okay. was digging through my drawers in my bedroom. I was not. The cleaning lady was. 
and uh, the cleaning lady turned up a, uh, a jar of lube, and it was called Elbow Grease, which I think is one of the most embarrassing names it possibly could have had. Um, but yeah, it was this uh, elbow uh, grease, uh, self-pleasuring aid, let's call it. And why did the cleaning lady feel the obligation to bring that to you? That's how she was. I mean, did she find it bizarre that a nerdy teenage uh, kid was finding creative ways to... Uh, I think so. I think she had two girls, you know. She didn't, she didn't understand that kind of stuff. And, you know, what do I care what you're doing up in your room? Well, you know, I mean, if you had a meth lab up there, I think I'd be. Uh, yeah, exactly. But, but you other know, than that, who cares? Nobody cares. Nobody cares. Yeah, yeah I never understood that. Just, mm. oh, well. Oh, well. Uh, it made for a good story. I mean, it's something we laugh about still, but uh, good Lord, it was mortifying at the time. I bet. Oh, I man. bet. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, it wasn't your fault. Although I guess you could have said nothing to me. You just could have ignored it. Well, you know, she just she just wound me up. <laughs> what did she... Th- oh, all right. You know, uh, because like, it's like, just can't you put this someplace where nobody will find? I don't know. I don't know what happened. It was... I did. Was I stuck stupid. it in the drawer, for God's sake. I don't know. What does she want from me? I don't know. I don't know. And again, I'm sorry. Right. Well, somehow our relationship survived, so I think it we're did. okay. Uh, let's do one last letter here on the uh, Dear Abby column, and this is Friend Reaches End of Road with Cheap Traveling Companion. Oh. Okay. Dear Abby, I have been taking trips with a friend for a few years. We share a room and usually have a good time. Unfortunately, my friend is cheap. She fights for every dollar every day of the year, even though she's very well off. Lately, she's become worse. During the last tour we took, she, quote, made lunch off the breakfast buffets in the hotels where we stayed, although most of them had signs posted saying that food should not be taken out. Not once, not twice, but every single day she packed a sandwich, fruit, and coffee so she wouldn't have to buy lunch. I asked her to please not do it, but she brushed me off. I like her, but I hate feeling ashamed of her. I believe in doing the right thing and doing unto others what I would like them to do unto me, and I have reached the point where I just don't want to travel with her. Any advice? Signed, California Traveler. I'd love if Abby answered and saying, nope, I got nothing for that one, sorry. Uh, But she does reply, dear traveler, yes, tell your friend you have now taken your last trip together, and then tell her exactly why. Yeesh. Was Abby right on this one? I'm not sure. This is I'm least sure about Abby's response on this one. You know, it's it's her friend. Um, and I would say, you know, look, I'd like to plan this trip with you. Uh, but the lunch thing has to stop. I'm going to tell you that I have taken an apple or a banana away from a breakfast, which, you know, is that really such a bad thing? I don't know. I think taking a banana from the breakfast buffet is like going 60 and a 55. That is an acceptable level of rule breaking. I think maybe right. packing the sandwich, fruit, and coffee, I agree with the letter writer, that's a bit over the top. And, and I can see where that would be embarrassing because you're wondering, is somebody going to notice? Is somebody going to say something? And I'm sure they don't say something. Um, you know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? Yeah, I'm they sure don't want the hassle. They, that's right. That's right. Ugh, not worth it. But but also for me, 
part of the enjoyment of the trip would be that we're having lunch at this little place together. Ah, uh, good point. Or, yeah. you know, you're you're out exploring and you happen upon a, a place that, that, you know, makes a nice pizza or whatever the whatever the cuisine would be, that's that's sort of, for me, part of the vacation fun. You're, n- you're not supposed to be scrimping the whole time. Right. Right, and if you can't afford it, then stay home. What about Abby's reply here to just cut her off, though? Again, I think it's a nice thought, but if it's your friend and she travels with you and you enjoy her, then I might give it that last-ditch uh, try in that this is really uncomfortable for me and I'm wondering if we could travel without you doing that. Yeah, I don't see why it has to be an ultimatum. This feels like Abby was at the end of a long day and she just dashes off this one-line response and she says, ah, that'll take care of it. Just end it. Yeah, if she's even doing it, you know. Yeah. (laughs) She probably just has a rubber stamp that says, end it. Or, or, you know, maybe they have a dartboard and the the intern gets to answer one letter a week or something. I I just thought it was not a good answer. Uh, I also want to take a closer look at the uh, cheapness, because I, I, you know, we talked about the buffet, and okay, you shouldn't take that much stuff from the buffet, but it doesn't seem that bad. Do you know what I mean? Like, if this is the worst example she could come up with, and this is the example that has made it even worse than it was, it doesn't seem like the friend is th- is has that much of a problem. Does it? Well, it would ruin every breakfast for me. Would it? Yeah, because you know it's coming. It's irritating. You're thinking about it when you get in bed at night. You're thinking about it while you're in the shower getting ready to go. Hmm. Right? What's yeah, coming? I, I mean, I didn't think it was that bad until you raised the point about how it pretty much torpedoes any nice meals out you might have for the rest of the day while you're out and about. And I think that's right. a, that's a good point. You don't want to be sitting in the car eating breakfast leftovers while you're on vacation. Right. And and also, you know, some, uh, you know, when you're traveling, I'm sure there's different restaurants that are a little fussy about bringing in your own food. <laughs> yeah, that's that's kind of weird. Yeah, that's a shame. It it just seems like it's, she's probably not a very much fun traveling companion. But they've gone on all these trips, so there must be something, some fun that they do have. Right. I don't know. I just think Abby was a little quick to say. It's over. Never going on a trip with this person. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, we don't know what the rest of the letter said. And, and I do hate having to say that. Let's see the whole letter. Because obviously yeah. these letters are paraphrased. Yeah, edited down sound, considerably. Yeah. yeah. They all sound like they're written by the same person, you know? <laughs> yeah. Speaking of written by the same person, I feel like I have seen the... Uh, the pregnancy one in another advice column, which does happen sometimes. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, there's probably a million scenarios that you could use that for. Yeah, probably. But I think I've seen, I think it may have a very similar scenario in uh, Dear Prudence on uh, Slate. Oh. Anyway, that is a point of interest to uh, approximately zero listeners. So I will uh, wrap up <laughs> this episode. Will you please every one of them? Yep. Wrap up this uh, tweener episode of Mom on Pop. I think Abby went basically three for three in our letters, although we quibbled with some specifics of her answers. So uh, yeah, good, sure. good job first time out, Abby. 
and of course, we will be back in another week with a full episode of Mom on Pop with all the uh, up-to-date pop culture reviews you crave from Mom. Hey, Mom, I was given a talk on the uh, Price is Right at the Ann Arbor District Library a couple weeks ago. Uh, and at the end of it, as people were going out, this guy stood up and looked me right in the eye and said, I'm a big fan of your mom, and then walked out. He didn't say, thanks, great talk, or I enjoy your work on the AV Club. He just yeah, said... Yeah, I got invited to that, you know, on Twitter. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry you couldn't make it out. It was a fun time. Yeah, I know. I would have I liked to have heard the talk. And, and Anna was knitting crabs. During the, during the talk? No, she, she, she gave a workshop on Oh, yeah, on she knitting. gave a... Yeah, that's right. She gave a workshop at the library on the crabs. That's right. So I thought that was a funny sentence to say. Anna's knitting crabs and Johnny's talking. <laughs> the price is right. Yeah, of course. How do you spend your weekend? Yeah. Yes, so the, you have one fellow who's a big fan of yours, and he might be a big fan of mine. It didn't seem like he was, really. Uh, but, uh, no, he's, he was very nice. He, uh, I mean, he stayed for the whole talk. It was an hour and a half about The Price is Right, so he must have been Wow, a fan. wow. Yeah. Well, I'm well, going to give him a big shout-out. I don't know who he is, but a shout-out. Great. I love it. Uh, so a shout-out to the mystery fan whose name uh, I can't recall. Uh, sorry about that. But, you know, say hi on Twitter, as always, and review us on iTunes if you enjoy the show. Mom, thank you for your insights. My pleasure. For Bonnie Tatey, I'm John Tatey. This has been Mom on Pop. Thank you for listening. So long for now.